Welcome to Lakewood Sermon Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 online at lakewoodok.com live. Or we'd also love to see you in person at our campus in McAllister. Welcome to Lakewood. We're excited that you're here. Um, we've had a lot of cool things happen in the last couple of weeks. One of those being that we had our State of the Church uh, Sunday just a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we got to do is you got to hear from each of our staff members talk about uh, their hopes, their vision for the coming year. And uh, we got to spend some time really praying through that. Uh, and one of the things we asked at the end was uh, the thing that we were the most excited about as a staff, as a leadership, which was the idea that you haven't thought of yet. And so we're really excited at the prospect of those type of ideas, those, those things that we get to move in together. But uh, I also got to tell you, some other things that you heard that week... Uh, you heard Mallory get up on stage and talk about how one of the things we needed was a new children's pastor. And so today I, I get to tell you that somebody has applied for that position, and we're really excited about it. Uh, that person is Anne Marie House. Yeah. We're really excited about that too. No, we couldn't be more thrilled at the idea of Anne Marie stepping in and taking over our children's ministry and taking it to places that we don't even know yet. Uh, but also, I mean, as thrilled as we are, we also want ownership in this. And so that's why uh, we are talking about it today. So we wanted to give you a couple of days uh, to think through this, to pray through it. And if you have any questions, any concerns, give me a call. Give one of our elders a call. And we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on, on this. Uh, but uh, we're excited for the future and what's, what's coming forward. So yeah, that's, that's something we're celebrating. Uh, so last week, we started a new series called Big Faith. Right there, Big Faith. There's the mustard seed right there, just in case you were wondering. Um, Big Faith. And what uh, we hope to do through this series is to begin as a church to see the kind of faith that we're called to, the kind of faith that is in action, the kind of faith uh, that really believes in the eternal kingdom of Christ that's coming to this world. And so last week we unpacked the idea that to have faith doesn't mean that we check our brains at the door, but instead that we're called to love God with the entirety of our minds as well. And so we said that uh, God has given us many, many reasons throughout history to believe in him. Through his word, we see reason after reason to believe that it's true. Through the experiences of others, we see many, many reasons for him to be real. Through nature and the cosmos, we see so many reasons to believe in God. And what we said was that we can arrive at a place that doesn't rely on blind faith. We can, sorry, we can arrive at a place that doesn't rely on blind faith, but rather we can arrive at a place where our faith is reasoned. And so last week, uh, we said it this way, because we finished by saying that a reasoned faith then is not a living faith until it's acted out. So we can arrive at a place of reasoned faith but to actually have faith that is moving things, to actually have faith that is doing things, we have to act it out. That's how our faith becomes a living faith. To act on faith is to step into unknown ground. And that takes trust. It takes humility. It takes obedience. And it takes church being the church together. And we can't do any of that well without the Spirit of God. And so before we really dive into anything more on this, Let's go to God and let's ask him to break down those barriers. Let's ask God to speak today. 
Because I've got to be honest with you, I'm a little frazzled right now because of everything that's happened this morning, but we're going to work through it because God has something to say and we're not going to not hear it today. So let's stop and let's, let's give it to God. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. God, I ask that you would take over. Uh, Father, you are in charge. You are amazing. And God, we believe in you. Father, please teach us how to believe. Please help us in our unbelief. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take the words and that you would implant them in the hearts of your people. God, that we would be convicted, that we would be moved, and that we would step out from here and that we would be excited about what you're doing, that we would see obstacles and hard times as opportunities for your kingdom. God, that you would change our perspectives. Father, please call me. Please speak. We're listening. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're diving into this idea of faith. And we get to this part, uh, and I'm sorry it's not going to be up on the screens, but uh, if you have your Bibles, kind of open them. If you have your app, every single one of the slides that we're going to have today is on our app in the notes section on the Sunday page. Um, but as we go through this, we're going to be in James chapter 2.17 to start us out, though. It says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Meaning that faith has to be acted upon. We talked about this last week. That a reasoned faith is not faith until, or is not a living faith until we act on it. Now, uh, I got to ask real quick. How many people in this room, if you, if you were put to the thing, would say that you are a cat person? I heard of me. Okay. There's some cat people in the audience. Okay. Um, how many people in this room would say, uh, I can't stand cats at all? There's some passionate people there, too. Okay. I saw Vicky raising Paul's hand. <laughs> Did you know that about yourself, Paul? All right. <laughs> How many people say, uh, I'm completely cat neutral? Okay, I just wanted to know where, where my groups were before I told this story. Uh, for my cat lovers, hi. The story I'm about to tell, it does not reflect my heart. For my cat haters, you're going to love this. Uh, for my cat neutral people, just listen along. Here we go. Um, <laughs> I had a professor in college. And he would teach the book of Hebrews. And whenever he'd get to the part of talking about this hall of heroes, this faith, he would always come to this verse in James. And he would say, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And we'd be like, okay, we get it. But then he goes, but let me, he, he would tell this story every year. And it was, it was a fun one, but he would sit there and he'd say, who likes cats? And this one poor, innocent freshman girl, or not freshman, but she raised her hand. And uh, he said, you like cats, okay. Let's say you let me borrow your cat. And so I have your cat. It's a beautiful cat. I pet your cat. I put your cat on the floor, and I proceed to stomp your cat to death. There's my cat, people. <laughs> and he goes, and I stomp, and I stomp, and I stomp, and then I pick up your cat, and I give it back to you. What do you think? Now, this poor girl, <laughs> just mortified look on her face, looks up, and she says, I, I, you you killed my cat. He says, oh, you gave me a cat. I gave you a cat back. It's still a cat. And she goes, but it's dead. And he goes, aha. It's the whole idea. Life means everything, right? It's one of those things to where if you give the cat back and it's dead, you're not excited about getting that cat back. And if we hold a faith out and we say, this is my faith, but it has no action in it, scripture tells us that it is a dead faith. 
Sure, it's faith, but what good is it? The Bible tells us that the demons believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they tremble in fear, but that doesn't, if faith doesn't have action put to it, then what is faith? It's dead. Life in something makes all the difference in the world. And we, the church, are supposed to be a people that are known for our faith. So we're going to dive into this even more today by talking about the kind of action that God is calling us to. We started last week by looking at the author of Hebrews' definition of faith, and we're going to look at that again. It's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that are not seen. Meaning that we have the assurance of what we hope for, and what are we hoping for? The coming kingdom of God. We have the assurance of the eternal kingdom of God, and we are called to have a faith That is to believe in the promise of the eternal kingdom so much that it changes our perspective in the now. So what we're going to work with today, and our first real point of the day is this, that the confident assurance of our faith gives us the boldness to act on it. When we believe that the eternal kingdom is coming, we have the boldness to act because our perspective and our, well, our perspective lines up. Our priorities line up with the kingdom. There's a movie that uh, came out uh, quite a long time ago. It was a movie by the name of The Legend of Bagger Vance. Anybody ever watch that? Okay, so a couple of you know. There's this one scene where this kid goes up to Bagger Vance, and he wants to become a caddy alongside of him in this golf game, and, um, but he's too nervous to ask him. And so Bagger just tells him, he says, well, I imagine just about the time that you get up the nerve to ask me is just about the time that I'm going to say yes. And then the kid says, can I be the caddy? And he goes, yes. And that's the, I mean, it's just, it's this really, it's just a small scene inside the movie, but it really speaks the truth, which is whenever we know the outcome, we can boldly step in to the action. And the outcome that we're looking for is the outcome of the eternal kingdom of heaven come to earth. And we have the assurance that that's going to happen. And when we have that assurance, when we know the end of the story, we then have the boldness to step out and act in the ways that God is calling us to act. When we believe in the ultimate outcome that God has promised promised us, how much easier is it to step into the unknowns that God is calling us to step? And in Hebrews 11, the author sets up this hall of heroes of the faith. This hall of people that when presented with a step, took it. And so today we're going to look at two more of these heroes. Uh, We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 and 31. It says, By faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So we see two stories here. And and the author kind of just takes us through them really quickly. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab saved her family. Okay, we see two stories that take place in one city. The first being in Joshua chapter 2. There's uh, about to be a battle for the city of Jericho. Um, now, let me tell you a little bit about Jericho, though. Jericho set on about eight acres of land. Now, uh, that doesn't seem very big, but at this time, you've got to understand, big city is a very different term at this time. 
But Jericho sat on about eight acres of land. It had inner and outer walls that were 30 feet tall, the outer walls being 12 feet thick. The inner walls were six feet thick. So if you're walking up to this city, you are seeing a fortified city. You're seeing something that if you're wanting to take over it, is pretty daunting. And so Joshua sent spies into the city. He sent out two spies into the city. Now, the city, it had those big, thick walls, you know, 12 feet thick, six feet thick. And on those walls, they actually had homes built. And so the two spies find themselves inside the home of Rahab, who is a prostitute who lives on the outer walls of Jericho. And the king of Jericho finds out that, hey, there's some Israelite spies inside my city. Now, the city is already afraid of the Israelites. They've heard the stories of the God that took out all the people in Egypt and then took them across. And every, I mean, They've heard the stories. They're afraid. And the king finds out, um, there's some spies in our city right now looking around. And so what does the king do? He looks for them. He tries to go around everywhere. He goes to the house of Rahab and she goes, I don't know where they are. I think they left already. You should run and catch them when she had hidden them up on the roof. And so then they leave. And that's where we're going to pick it up in the text. So she's helping them escape out of the window. And then they have this conversation while she's helping them escape in uh, Joshua chapter 2 verse 10. Just for we have heard how the Lord dried up, this is Rahab speaking, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan and Sihon and Og whom you've devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And hear this, before I read this next sentence, hear this, or the rest of the sentence. This is a prostitute woman living in a pagan city, who's about to say this next line. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. We've got a statement of faith from Rahab. So this prostitute woman in a pagan city has discovered what we talked about last week. She discovered a reason faith she looked out and saw a God that was at work. She said, we've seen what your God has done. And because of that reason, I have faith that he is, in fact, the Lord God. She heard about God of the Israelites, and she believed that he was the Lord. But then we see her step from a reason faith into an action in faith, into a living faith. In Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 12, she's still talking to him. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And then the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and be faith and faithfully with you. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather in your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and your father's household. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So she had reasoned that this God of the Israelites was the Lord God of heavens and earth. And then she asks for deliverance. But one of my favorite parts is this at the very end of the passage. Notice what she said. 
Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. She has this conversation with them, and what they say is this, hey, tie this cord in the window and uh, do, do what we say, and everything will be good. And what happens is the second that she sends them away, what does she do? She ties the cord in the window. She immediately follows her faith with obedience. She puts action behind her words. And then we get to see the second act of the story, the battle of Jericho. So we've had this buildup, right? We know that this is an incredibly fortified city. It's a double-walled city. It's huge as far as like fortifications are concerned. We've seen these spies that have come into the city. We see that there's a fear of the Israelites in the city, and there's this welling tension that's building up towards the battle. And now we get to unpack and read the battle of Jericho, starting in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. They're prepared for battle. None went out. None came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. I love it. I love it, not because they're just the reading. I love it because I really wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Joshua was telling this to his generals. Wouldn't you love to be in that room? Oh man, it'd be great. Joshua goes back, hey guys, just talk to the Lord. Great, great. All right, he gave me the battle plan for Jericho. Awesome. Did you see what he did to the Amorites? I can't wait to see what he's going to do here. Okay, here's the plan. All right, here we go. We're going to get all of our fighting men. Yeah. Amen. Here we go. All right, we're going to march out and surround the city. Yes. Then we're going to go home. Everett, i got to put you on retainer, man. You have all the right moments. Uh, yeah, no. Then we're going to go home. Say what? But oh, then we're going to get up the next day. We're going to get all the fighting men. Okay, okay. We're going to march around the city. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to go home. And then, well, we're going to do that four more days. Okay. But then, guys, then on the seventh day, oh, the seventh day. Okay, what are we going to do on the seventh day? We're going to get up. We're going to get all of our fighting men. We're going to march around the city, but we're not going to go home. We're going to march around seven times. Okay? Then what? Then the priests are going to blow trumpets. Oh, yeah, trumpets. And then what? And then you're going to shout really loud. Okay, and then what? Then the walls are going to fall down. Can you understand, like, in being in the room, how this battle plan makes no sense whatsoever? It doesn't work in our minds. To say that we're going to take out this incredibly fortified city, how are we going to do it? By marching around it for seven days. And then marching around seven times that last day. And then we're going to blow some trumpets and blow some horns. It doesn't make sense if you don't put God in the equation. Because the people of Israel did not bring down the walls of Jericho. But through their obedience, God brought down the walls of Jericho. Can you imagine that view from Jericho, though? 
You're terrified of the Israelites. And then all of a sudden, you see the Israelite army coming. They march around, they leave. They come back the next day, they march around, they leave. And eventually by the last day, by the time the trumpets are blowing and you start to feel the ground underneath your feet shake, the Israelites had reason to believe that God would continue to provide for them. But hear this, because the actions that stem from reason faith are often unreasonable. Please get this. We can have a reasoned faith. We don't need to check our brain at the door. We, we don't need to have a blind faith to believe in God. But to follow what God has called us to many times, if not most times, recalls, requires us to do things that are often unreasonable, that don't make sense. And look at Jericho just to see how not un, or nonsensical that was. It made no sense for them to go and march around and expect that the walls would fall just because they blew trumpets and shouted really loud. The actions that God was telling them to take did not make sense as far as battle strategy was concerned. And we as Christians have reasoned that the God who has taken us this far will continue to, to provide but sometimes he calls us to things that don't make a lot of sense in this world. If you want an example of that, look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, where it says, You have heard what it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you this, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That makes no sense in our world. It makes no sense for us to return a slap by turning the other cheek. It makes no sense for us to walk the extra mile or give up our cloaks. The ways of the kingdom are so backwards when compared to what would be considered a natural reaction. But here's the thing. Had the Israelites only been concerned with rational movements, the walls of Jericho remain standing. You don't see walls crumble and you don't see the will of God enacted in your life if you hold God only to the boundaries of your comfort. We are called to step beyond our borders. We have reason to believe, but it's off that foundation of reasoned faith that we're called to live in the way of the kingdom, which, frankly, goes against much of what would be considered a reasonable response. But look what happens when we take our faith and act on it. The walls of Jericho, they come and tumbling down. Okay, I got to ask this just really quickly because uh, in staff meeting, I brought this up and uh, nobody, has anybody in this room seen the movie The Music Man? Okay. I know my wife has. Okay, thank you. I'm glad that at least, okay. There's this scene where he's singing and he's going through all these different things and he's like, those fable walls, Jericho, oh, they come tumbling down. Anyway, it makes no sense, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about and I'm gonna move forward now. Anyway, so <laughs> the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. The battle was won, not through their strategy, it was won through their faith, not through their strength, but through the strength of God enacted through their faith. And Rahab and her family, they're spared. Not because she was clever, not because she really figured out a way to do all this, but because she took her faith and added obedience to it, that she was obedient in following God. They acted on their faith, and neither side did enough to warrant the outcomes they experienced. But that's what God does. He takes our small contributions, the tiny things that we do, 
And he uses them for the deep impact of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talks about this a little bit in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. He says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing is impossible, not because you're great, but because God is great. God is the one that makes our small actions into great works. God is the one that takes the mustard seed and turns it into the tree. But I want to take a second, and I want to look at a little closer at Rahab. Oh, we love Rahab. It's great that she saved her family. Really, it is. It's wonderful. But understand this. What's the whole point behind the conquest of the promised land? Why are they trying to take out Jericho in the first place? Because God is creating this kingdom on earth through which he is going to bring about the deliverance of the world. He's carving the place for his people. And so while it's really cool to see the walls of Jericho come falling down, I think the really cool part of the story is Rahab. So, yeah, she saved her family. That's awesome. She put a cord in the window. She helped the spies. But that's not all that happens here. And to understand everything that just happened with that, we have to go forward quite a bit. Forward to the first chapter of the book of Matthew. Now, how many of you guys have read the book of Matthew? Hopefully, almost everybody, but if you haven't, you really should. It's quite a good read. But at the very beginning, whenever I was a kid, I would always start my reading of Matthew by starting at Matthew chapter 2. Because Matthew chapter 1 is, this person begat this person, and this person begat this person, and this person begat this person, and eventually you're like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, and it's, uh, that sounds harsh, but like when you're a kid reading through it, you're like, I want the story. I want to read about the birth of Jesus. I want to see the, his life and the gospel. I want to see all that stuff. Why do we have to start with his genealogy? No one cares. And I know at the time people did care, but as you read through it, you begin to see these names, and some of them begin to pop out to you. And one of them I want to bring up in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Salmon the son and the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. Rahab's name's right there. I gotta tell you, the first time I noticed that, chills all the way down to my feet. Because first off, one, there's a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus, which I find... Interesting, because it really says that God uses anybody and everybody for his kingdom. And if you think that you're disqualified, you're just wrong. But hear this. Rahab didn't just save her family by her obedience. Through her act of faith, she became part of the lineage through which all will be saved. She didn't just save her family. She became part of something that would eventually save everyone. Because Rahab being in part of this line going up through David and then David through Jesus, we see that God created this line that was straight through to the salvation of his people and Rahab is a part of it because she acted in faith. Meaning that your actions done in faith will have ripples that you can't even begin to comprehend. Whenever God puts that act of faith in front of you, you have no idea the impact that that really could have. And it may seem small to you, it may seem tiny, but so are mustard seeds. That's what God tells us over and over again, that your small things plus God's big awesomeness equals God's big awesomeness. You get to be a part of that. God is the one that makes our small actions into great works. But let's look a little, <laughs> let's keep going. 
Because you may be thinking that it's a rather small contribution that God's asking you to do. But small actions consistently done in faith can have ripples that speak into the eternal. So don't limit God by telling him which of your actions is important. God has his own system of what does and what doesn't matter in the kingdom, and it rarely lines up with what does and doesn't matter in the here and now. Put another way, this is the next point, which is that God does more through our faith than we can do through our abilities. And for the mission that we're called to, to be honest, we're just not enough. You know, there's so many times in this job that I, I've looked at what needs to be done and what we hope for and all these different things, and we keep coming back to this thing, man, I'm just not enough for that. And that's okay because it also hits the other truth, which is that we're not supposed to be enough. We were never meant to be enough. We are not enough to get the job done on our own. We cannot provide our own salvation. We cannot provide the outcomes that we desire. And in a world that's constantly spraying the message of the power of self and the gospel of self, it's important for us to realize that it's not about us and that we are not enough. We are completely reliant on God. That's why we're called to be those that give up our lives as living sacrifices and to die to ourselves. Because it's not about us. It's about God. It wasn't about Jericho. It wasn't about Joshua. It wasn't about Rahab. It was about God. It was about his plan for the world, a plan that he has invited us to step into and to be a part of. Because then he takes our fragments, our small contributions, and he puts them to use in his plan. And in that way, we become enough because he is enough and he brings us along. And we get the privilege of serving as a part of what he is doing in this world. So if I could tell you anything today, church, it's this. Your plans are great, but God's are better. And he's called you to something that is far greater than you. He's called you to be about something that's so much bigger than you are. And groups like this, groups that claim faith, but that put it into action, are the ones that change the world. God is calling each of us. There's not a single person in this room that God is not calling to take a step in faith. And I get so excited when I think of what would happen if the church did that. If we became a body that took steps in faith, that intentionally did the things that God was calling us to, even if they made no sense in the world. That is the faith that we are called to. And when that happens, we get to share stories like Joshua We get to share stories like Rahab who took small acts of faith and changed the world with them because God, or because they didn't really change the world, but God took their acts and changed the world. We said it over and over again, and I'm gonna say it again today, is this, the idea that we're excited about as a church is the one that you haven't thought of because it's the one that God is gonna put on your heart to reach the world for Christ. So I'll say it this way. I think we all need to take some time today and just spend some time in prayer. 
and ask God, what would you have me do? Now, don't get me wrong. Please hear this. You are not working for your salvation here. This is not that. Your salvation is assured. You get to go to the kingdom of heaven. You get to be in heaven, and that's amazing, and that's wonderful. That's why we worship. It's such an incredible thing, but hear me out. Because we're not talking about going to heaven right now. We're talking about living the life that God has called us to live in this world. Because we all have a mission. A mission that is bigger than we are. And we get the opportunity to be a part of it. If we take our, action, our faith and we act on it. Let's pray. God, we love you. Uh, Father, I ask that today that you would take these words and that you would, uh, that you would move. You would act. God, thank you that we get to be your children. Thank you that we, we don't have to rely on our own actions, but Father, we get to rely on what you do. God, thank you for being perfect on our behalf, for giving us righteousness that we couldn't get on our own. Father, I ask that you would continue uh, to move. And God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm.